As with every episode of Storytellers, this episode may contain themes, storylines, or ideas that may not be safe for work. Headphones recommended and listener discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Storytellers, the show that proves that anyone can tell a story. My name is Derek, and I am joined today by a litany of uh, storytellers, both new and old. Um, first and foremost, I'm joined by Glaza. Glaza, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I have so much planned this week and today, um, but I'm very much excited about what we're going to be doing today because this is the first time I've ever been part of uh, Storytellers, where we tell stories in parts. So I'm very excited to see how the story that I started uh, evolved and ended. So, yeah. You sound like a streamer. Like, just <laughs> listening to you, I'm like, you sound like a fucking streamer. Like, you could tell when they're cheating because they do this and they have the menus off here on the side. And you sound like you go on a depth and it's so dope and I'm so happy. And seeing you with the background is like, Mwah! it is fucking everything right now. I'm over the moon. Um, we are also joined by Pixie. Uh, Y'all know her from a litany of shows. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Pixie, how are you doing today? I am still, uh, it's great that it's on Zoom and not in person. <laughs> yeah. Still waking up for the morning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, me too. Me too. I mean, I wake up, literally take two steps and I'm like, okay, do I really want to do this this time? And then I remember great work was done and we need to talk about it. Talk Absolutely. About it. So yeah. that's where we are. And we're joined by Frankie. Frankie, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm so good. Um, our weather here is really crappy, so it's nice to be doing something fun inside. So, yeah. Re really? I have plans on wearing shorts all day today. Well, I live in Texas. Yeah, so... Oh, do you you do too? No. Oh. I live in California. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you can wear shorts there. It's going to be raining all day here. Oh. oh. I went to Texas once. Where did you go? I went to Love Field Airport. Oh, and okay. I had a Whataburger, and there that was my whole experience with Texas. And I was that's like, "That's all you need." There was so much. That was so much cowboy shit. Like, <laughs> like you would think the airport was sponsored by the Cowboys. Like, we're yeah. in Houston. What the fuck? Where's the Texan shit? But nope. Yeah. Cowboys kind of throw it on you. Take it yeah. or leave it. Right. Yeah, Whataburger, Texas. That's that's what I'm gonna associate y'all to now from now on. Not barbecue, just Whataburger. That's it. Did you leave with a cowboy hat or anything? No, but I left with some spicy ketchup. 
Well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> so we're all winners the today. The spicy ketchup is the best, I will it's say. wonderful. And they had like this limited edition where they put yes. more hot sauce in it. Mm-hmm. So they were like, yeah, man, take as much as you want. And I was like, are you sure? And they were like, yeah. And then the next person was like, do you have any more spicy limited edition ketchup? And they were like, fuck <laughs> that dude. Like, <laughs> I took a bag. I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes. These sauces are mine. So They're amazing. <laughs> The, the life is a green light for me. Like everything is go time. You give me permission, and I'm fucking shit up. There is no <laughs> other way about it. I tasted that ketchup, and I wanted to fight the air. I was like, "Oh my fucking god, this is the best!" Hey, Garrett, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? You know what? I'm thinking about that ketchup still. Now there's this warm feeling <laughs> in my chest. I feel I, great. I've never had spicy ketchup like ever. Oh my god, it's like it's like it's like music in your mouth and. I've never been one of those people who thinks the ketchup goes on everything. Like those people just those okay, strange. Are, those people are my children. Wait. Those people, but please, please wait. Tread lightly, sir. But at the same time, I was about to say. But at the same time, I'd put that spicy ketchup on my wife's nipple. Like I would do that shit. Y'all thought I was gonna say on eggs. Fuck no. I'd put that spicy ketchup on my wife's nipple and I would go to town on that motherfucker. Like, that ketchup tasted so good. I just sat there for a second and thought about shit. Like, should I put... Well, like, in our grocery stores, they sell it by the big bottles. Oh, my God. Shelves and shelves. Yeah, we're obsessed with it down here. See, and they need to spread that to the world because Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually mad because... Hunts or Heinz or whoever makes the fucking ketchup they yeah. try, like nationwide. They tried to make a ketchup with Tabasco sauce in it a couple years back, and I never knew why. Mm-hmm. And it tasted horrible. It was awful. And now I know why. They went to Houston's Love Field, specifically, and they had a Whataburger in the airport, specifically. And then they, they, they were like, we need to take this ketchup. It was all by happenstance. <laughs> love it. So, <laughs> let me... Love Field. And I love... Uh, banana ketchup. Sorry. Wait, Ooh, what? girl, what? 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 It is banana ketchup, and it will change your life. It is sweet I, and spicy. I am sure it will change my life. I don't know if it's going to be in the way you want it to be changed. <laughs> uh, everybody who's ever tried it, whenever I bring up banana ketchup, they're like, oh, my gosh, it's banana. Why? Oh. But then they actually try it, especially with lumpia, like Filipino. Okay, uh, okay, uh, okay. Trust me. Banana ketchup is one of the best ketchup, and if just don't get turned off by the banana part, just try it and trust me, it is one of the best ketchups you're ever gonna taste. See, see better than tomato, better see, than any. Okay, okay, so it's a ketchup. Uh huh. That's made with a banana instead of tomato. Yep, but it's still red. What's the brand name? Um, so know? there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, there's one called Tamisang Hang, uh, which is basically sweet and spicy in Tagalog. Uh, but basically, the best the uh, there's also UFC banana ketchup. Uh, but basically, the best ketchup, um, mm. the best banana ketchups are made in the Philippines because it's obviously from the Philippines. Right? Yeah, I would I would think that that wasn't something that was made by Hunts. Yeah, Hunts <laughs> is not fucking with banana ketchup. I I. I... I mean, they should, though, because they made that green shit in the 90s. They made, like, mm-hmm. green ketchup and that looked purple. like my daughter's diaper and purple so they can make banana ketchup. Stop <laughs> fucking with me, Hunts. I see you around the corner. Also, Gliza, you're, you're, you're where I'm at. 
so I can probably go to like one of the the local uh, Asian supermarkets and uh, get some banana ketchup. If you have like Seafood City, I do. Look for banana ketchup. They they are like the best thing. I swear. Like, I I would be very sad if you didn't like it, but I would also be very surprised if you didn't like it. I love the way that you clutch your cup when you said it is the best. Like you literally hugged your cup. Like I have it right now. Like and, I'm gonna go have some later. And the thing is, I'm glad you kept talking about banana ketchup because when people say it'll change your life, so will getting shot in the foot. It doesn't mean that it's a good thing. <laughs> so it'll change your life. So will a baby vomiting in your mouth as you go to kiss it. That's not the best thing in the world. So I will gladly try banana ketchup what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna go to jollybees and i'm gonna go to the the uh, seafood city and i'm gonna uh-huh. get banana ketchup and i'm gonna get lumpia and i'm gonna have everybody with me and everybody else is gonna try it first and i'm gonna watch yes and if nobody it. looks at me if they give me to look like you know you know that look when it's good when they like nod a little bit and they hum a little bit the bad look is when they just stop and they're like the fuck is this if they say <laughs> the fuck is this First of all, I'm going to ground my 14-year-old son because you don't talk to me like that, motherfucker. <laughs> Secondly, I will know to send the banana ketchup directly to you. It's all good. We tried. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I am the king of Fridays, apparently. And what I am not going to do is let somebody poison me. So my son will try it first. And when it's safe, I will follow behind and be like, yeah, this shit's good, huh? <laughs> Told, told you. you so yeah yeah <laughs> we did the same thing for kale like my wife she was like you can put kale in anything and then she fucked around and put lettuce into her smoothie and didn't understand why it didn't taste right and i just died laughing <laughs> anyhow i've said too much let me tell you all about how storytellers work so storytellers is a gathering of four amateur to pro storytellers who get together and they tell a story thank y'all all so much for coming out y'all have a good day Thank you. Uh. <laughs> the way the storytellers works is I ask, I beg, I, I plead with four people to please tell a story with me. And when they do, I draw three cards. Those three cards create the story. Um, we also take the people's names and we put them into a randomizer. And from the randomizer, we get the order the story is going to be told. So for this story... Uh, Gliza went first, and then Pixie, and then Garrett, and then Frankie. Um, and so Gliza told her part of the story and then sent it to me. And I sent her segment of the story to Pixie. Pixie finished her segment of the story and sent it to me. And here's where it gets interesting. I sent only Pixie's segment of the story over to Garrett. Garrett never got to hear how the story began. Garrett, without knowing how the story began, had to continue the story and bring it to a climax, which I then sent to Frankie. So Frankie, without hearing the first or second part of the story, so she heard none of the entire first half, had to end the story. So Gliza began a story that she has no idea how it finished. And Frankie finished a story that she has no idea how it began. And then we all get together today and we sit down and listen to it. And it's usually pretty choice. (laughs) the cards that I chose for this story are, and Frankie, I'm going to ask you a question in a few seconds, so prepare yourself accordingly. The cards that I chose for this story are taxidermist, prisoner of war, and enormous stuffed animal. Frankie, knowing that, how how do you feel about your story and how it turned out? I didn't know that. Where was that listed? (laughs) 
hilarious. I made sure that the only person who knows what cards are pulled are is the first person because I don't ever want anybody to try and steer it back towards what they think the story should have been. I, I want the story to flow fluidly. But knowing now, was there an enormous stuffed animal in your story? No, there were enormous things. <laughs> Not stuffed animal-wise, though. So, knowing so that, funny. knowing that, with no further ado, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to listen to Glides' section of the story. Here's part one. In the middle of an empty field lies a little solitary hut with no walls. And the only source of light is a lone light bulb that swings back and forth, back and forth. He squints at that. How is there a light flickering from that lone light bulb? He looks around and doesn't see any sort of electric connection that led to or from the house. It started to rain, so he had no choice but to take cover in this little hut. It reminded him of when he was trying to run away from his captors back when he was being hunted during the war. It was raining then, too. But he tried his best to block that from his memory. He lies back and closes his eyes, letting the rain lull him to sleep. In what seemed like only a few seconds, but must have been hours, for everything outside the hut was already dry, he opened his eyes to see a young woman. Maybe his age, but with a lot of wisdom in her eyes, holding a giant stuffed panda bear. Hello, she says. Hello, he responds. What are you doing here, she asks. Taking cover from the rain, in yourself? The same, I suppose. That was the start of their friendship. He would come visit the area all the time, the hut in the middle of the field, just to see her. And she would always have a different large stuffed animal. It changes every time they meet. One time it was a lion. Another point it was a tiger. A dolphin. A bear. A dog. One time it was even a moose. She says it's because her dad is a taxidermist. She had a playful sort of quality about her. And he didn't know how it happened, but he started falling for her. After a month or so, he had asked her to come with him, to leave this little hut and to join him in the world, in his world. Her face became sad. And she said, can we do it next time? And he says, of course, we can do it next time whenever you're ready. And then they spend more and more days together, just showing up at the little hut, talking about his past, talking about her past, talking about her parents, talking about how he once flew a plane across the Atlantic. Again, he became restless. Again, he wanted to bring her into his world. So again, he asked, can I please bring you somewhere else? Can we meet somewhere else, anywhere else? Her face again became sad, the second time he had ever seen that face. And she said, please don't ask me again. I am not ready to go. If you ask me again, it'll be very difficult for me. 
So he said, okay, I'll give it some more time. He thought to himself, I won't ask her again. I'll just wait until she's ready. Another month passes. More stories are shared and exchanged between the two of them. She tells him stories that seem unbelievable of flying cars and floating castles. But he always thought it was just a story. Of course, five months pass of them meeting regularly like this. He just couldn't wait any longer. So he asked her one more time to come with him, to leave this little hut and to join him in his world. The same sad face, but this time her words were different. Oh, I guess it's about that time, huh? And this excited him a little bit. She asks him to come back the next day, and she said she'll be ready. Ready to leave. He comes the next day, but she is nowhere to be found. He comes every day, but she doesn't show up this time. So, Liza, questions. Yo. What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm gonna be honest with you. This is actually one of my um, one of my stories that I've always uh, tried to tell. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, it's there's this like I have this world that I've created in my mind about this hut, and each each episode of that story tells like each episode of that hut basically uh, has a different story. So with with um with introducing this world um i come up with different characters that meet at the hut um in this in this uh in this story i imagine the girl to be from the future and just sort of visiting and whatever uh that's why there's flying cars floating castles or whatever um and when and she knows that she can't leave but mm -hmm. if he if he keeps asking her to leave she's just going to have to stop meeting him so that's where my mind is at, and basically the hut is um, is where I write all of my um, love stories that just can't work. So I don't know where this came from, but I had a fever dream once about a hut in the middle of nowhere, and that's where I base a lot of my um, stories that I play around with. <laughs> you know the the cool thing about it. Like, there's a ton of cool things about it, first and foremost. I want to say that. Like, what? Um, the cool thing about it, and this is the first time that I've ever done this before, so drum roll, please. My homeboy Dustin, who, Liza, you know, yep. does a show called Story or uh, Sandman Stories. Uh, that's supposed to put you to sleep, but shit doesn't work because I stay up like this, just listening rapturously to every fucking episode. This he tells stories of from different countries. Um and this sounds like it would fit perfectly in with one of his stories. Um so I'm going to say this next part in Dustin's voice. <clears throat> I guess he should have gotten consent before he kept asking to meet up with her. He she said no twice, man. Let it go. 
Shout out to this podcast, who's a really great podcast. And I want to say hello to my new listeners in Kalamazoo. You are 15% of my listeners in Michigan. I love you, Dustin. So, <laughs> that when I... Huh? You just have that voice. So... When I was listening to your story, that's exactly what I thought of. Like, this would fit in so perfectly with that world. And Frankie, knowing now how the story began, first of all, thoughts. And secondly, is it anywhere near how the story ends? I mean, no, it's not. <laughs> there is, like, love. Um, I don't think it has any. It's kind of futuristic, too, I guess. But it has no connection at all. Absolutely not. I do love, is it Glaza? Glaza? Glaza. I do love Glaza. 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 Got it. Um, I like the background that you give your characters, like the war, like he's part of the war and you can kind of tell that, that, that even their disconnect through their time, there's still that love there, but it's also kind of sad, which is okay. <laughs> Stories well, can be sad. I was hoping to, like, you guys would give, like, a happy ending to it. I just started it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I sure. made a dystopian world where she fucking disappeared. And I hope that y'all would have done something really great with the next. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I said banana, and then I stopped. And the next person who made food said ketchup. And just like that, a new thing was... I said pineapple they said banana and now we got i don't know how that song goes uh, uh, no i do know it's pineapple um, pen, pen and pineapple apple pen <laughs> yeah that <laughs> so next up on the list uh we have pixie's uh section pixie you got to hear how glides story went uh prior to beginning your segment of the story so I definitely focused on um, things that were not <laughs> were different than what Gliza was uh, trying to put out there. <laughs> well, with no further ado, let's see how you did. Here's Pixie's segment of the story. As he stood there in the hut, he shook his head. No, this can't be right. My love is going to be here. She's going to be here any moment. And I know because we've talked long and hard about her joining me in my world. I'm going to take her away from this ridiculous hut and this ridiculous land. And I'm going to show her that I know how to fly a plane. I can help her get away from this whole place. And as he's sitting there, he notices that there are no rugs. There are no curtains on this little hut. There's not even the door that he remembers closing to keep out the rain. There's nothing. There's not even the swinging light. There is nothing inside this hut. Now, that didn't faze him very much because things happen all of the time and you can't really explain why there would be no light when there was already a light bulb. There, there isn't even a light bulb. He shrugged it off. He sat there waiting, waiting, and waiting. Well, this was interesting. It became high noon. The sun was blaring outside. He started to go out there, started to look around, look around the hut, try to find out where she was. 
She was never late. She was always there, every time, smiling with one of those silly animals wrapped up in her arms. So he started searching outside. She must be up here. Called her by name. Looking. Searching. He noticed that the, the wheat field that around the house was very golden. It flowed in the wind. And there was nothing else, anything particular around the house. It was just a hut out in the middle of the field. He did see that there was a small path, no bigger than two feet wide. Born, wouldn't, I wouldn't even consider it a path. Maybe, maybe once in a while somebody would come through here. She had to have come this way. She had to have come through this path. There was no other reason why she would be late. Unless, unless something happened, he started thinking the worst possible scenarios. Her father kept her home. Her mother got sick. Anything, anything that would keep his love from him. Anything that could have possibly gone wrong. He went through scenario after scenario. The birds were chirping. The bees were buzzing. He could hear so much wildlife just happening around him that he couldn't even think to himself. So as soon as his heart started thumping, the thump, the thump, the thump, he decided that he was going to take this path. She must be in danger. He must go out and find her and, and rescue her. She must be somewhere. That he was the only one that could save her from her life of what was going on. Albeit, he didn't know the real reason why she didn't show up. So he started walking. He started walking down this path. And as he walked, he walked faster and faster until he was at a quick pace. He was running. He was running so fast, he ran over little hills. He ran through a couple of valleys all the way until he reached what he found was very particular. It was a bamboo forest. And this bamboo forest looked old and dark. And a little bit spooky, considering the whole wheat field was so bright and cheery. Albeit, it was just a hut in the middle of nowhere, with nothing else going on. It did take him out of the rain. He remembered that fondly. As he stepped forward into the bamboo forest, he walked further and further and further inside, until there was no light. There was no work. There was nothing going on. He couldn't hear anything. No chirping, no, no branches breaking, no rustling, no nothing. All he could hear was the sound of his heart go, the thump, the thump, the thump. He became concerned. He became so concerned that, well, maybe, maybe this is the way she came. Definitely. That path led me here, led me to this line of bamboo trees. Now they were thick and old and musty, and all around the floor was a big, thick fog that encompassed everything. You couldn't see. All you could see in front of him were two paths. One path, simple, easy, clean, well-groomed, kind of like the path he was already on. No worries. And when he looked over to the left, the other path, there was rocks. There was dirt. There was so much debris and stuff in front of him. There was bramble patches. 
there was a whole bunch of thicket that it looked like that path was going to be a little hard. When he looked back over to the other path, it looked really nice and easy. But when he looked back to the path that was darker, a little bit more rough, he could see light bulbs hanging from the canopy. Very dim, very low lighted. And he goes, well, I don't have time to mess with brambles. I don't have time to climb over boulders. I don't have time to go through all of that when I can go this way. Pixie. Too much. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so, first yeah. things first, what was on your mind when you uh, did this segment of the story? I actually recorded 16 minutes. And then Where's the other four, my dear? And then I went back through and uh, list, I deleted it. I deleted I deleted all of it. I, uh, I deleted it back down to uh, the time frame that you requested because I don't follow directions. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so the, here's what we're going to do. There was a whole part. There was like, the, yeah, he started running again. He fell down, you know, into the thing. There was the panda. And all of that is in. In so when do I get the uncut version of your story? <laughs> it's gone now. I tell it once and then it's gone, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so let me make sure I got this straight. You did a 12-minute... No, 16. 16 you did a 16-minute segment. And then cut it back down. And then cut minutes. it down to like five to six minutes. Yeah. yeah. Just a lot of fucking content. Like, you could have... I could have kept going. I could, guys, I could have kept going. And that's the cool thing about it. Like, the, the, the best thing about telling a story, to me, is the same as writing a story. It's when you get past that hump of, I don't know how to start. And then you realize, I don't want to stop. There's a beauty in telling a story that a lot of people are scared of. Because they can't get past that first beginning, the first sentence, the first paragraph. But once you get past that and you climb into your world that you're creating and you see that freedom, there's nothing like it at all. It's it's literally the perfect drug. And trust me, I'm going to do banana ketchup. As you should. So another question. Or statement, statement. This one's a statement, yes. You have the voice of a second grade teacher. Oh, that's so sweet. You, like, you telling this story literally made me want to hear you read uh, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Oh, that's a cute book. I love that book. I feel like you would read that one and then you'd be like, all right, y'all, it's time for a nap or something like that. And the kids would be like, we're in second grade, motherfucker. And, and you'd be like, like <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, yeah, that was, that was 16 minutes, huh? 16 minutes. 16 minutes. <laughs> one day, one day we're going to, I'm going to find out what the rest of that story entailed. Because now it went so well and I was just like, okay, okay. Oh, what? That was literally it. Like, wait, it stopped. Like, okay, he's going to go down this path. And, and then I was like, you know what? That's literally the perfect spot to end it at, though. Yeah. 
Right. I had to figure out because the other spot was he was trapped in a pit and all he, all he had like the he had the taxidermy stuffed animals and he's covered in <laughs> mud and stuff and he's cold because he fell several times in the story and, and he could hear something but he didn't know what it was and that's where it ended and I was like oh my god this is too long it's too long cut it back cut it back so so let's go to the beginning of the story first uh, Gliza now that you've heard what was brought to your story mm. what's your thoughts. I like it. I like that it went like I like that uh, the hut was described a little bit more. Um, I like that my short description of the hut gave so much um, like gave Pixie so much uh, substance to like describe the other parts. And I love that in her mind, she thought bamboo because I don't think I mentioned bamboo, even though I was thinking bamboo. And I like that. Um, I really liked how the 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 guy continued to look for her like mm -hmm. i i really love that and i wish that i don't know do i wish that they found each other will they find each other i guess i'm <laughs> gonna find out uh but do i wish that do i wish that the guy just respected the girl's request to not follow her not it's, a, sl her? it's and, a slippery slope which one do i want to happen so i'm excited so either you want him to respect her decision and go back to his world and be like, all right, cool. I'm going to go back to being an automo automotive technician. Or you want him to basically rickroll and say, I'm never going to give you up. I'm never going to let you down. It depends on how the girl reacts, basically. Yes. If, if like... If the girl is like, thank you for looking for me, I, I said no because I, I didn't think you were serious, but you looked for me and I and I appreciate that and I I want to be with you now. If that is her reaction in the end, I would be 100% for it. If her reaction is like, bruh, I didn't want you here. What are you doing? Then... Why do you keep showing up? <laughs> Dude, this is an Arby's. So, Frankie, now that you've heard the first half of the story, how where am, are I we at? am I still feeling awful about my ending? I mean, I don't feel awful about my ending. They're just not related in any way. Oh, okay, I just wanted to make sure. And Garrett, <laughs> uh, now that you've heard the beginning of the story as well as the part that precluded your part, how do you feel about the story as it got to you? Garrett's on mute. Is Garrett... Garrett's still on mute. Will Garrett ever come out of mute? That there is we the go. Question. I'm here. I was. I was. It's told me how to unmute it, and I was looking at my keyboard, and I was lost. Um, no, I uh, like after the first part when I heard that it was very like, oh, this is not what I was thinking <laughs> at all. <laughs> with with what Pixie had given me, but you know now that it's it's kind of come together with this. It's making more sense with where I went. And now I just feel really bad for, for Frankie with what Gliza had said for her part, where she was like, maybe I don't want them to, to like be together. And I'm just like, well, let's just keep them on their way. <laughs> <laughs> he has a quest and he is going to complete that quest. God damn it. <laughs> so with no further ado, let's go ahead and let's get to Garrett's part. This is the third part of the story. 
So, he closed his eyes for a moment. He listened to his heart. He took a long, heavy breath in and slowly let it out. He eyed the path to the left just one more time. He took in every detail and listened intently to his heartbeat. The thump. The thump. The thump. Slow, rhythmic beats as he looked at the dark, debris-filled path. She definitely wouldn't be there. No one is, he thought. With that, he turned to the right and repeated the breathing and heartbeat listening. The thump. The thump. The thump. With no more hesitation, he scrambled down the clean walkway. He felt confident with each step he took and was picturing the look of his love's face when he'd show up to save the day. He smiled. After some time, he turned back to look at where he'd been. It felt like he'd been walking for hours. When he looked, he was shocked to see that the bamboo forest he was in was no longer in sight. Where was he? Surely he had to be getting close to his destination. Which was what, exactly? He was so caught up in finding his love that he never fully realized his plan of action. He just started walking. Desperation led him to this new land, this new place that he didn't recognize. He started to feel cold, lost, alone. Where were all of these feelings before? Was he so love-struck that he forgot everything else? He stopped dead in his tracks and scanned his surroundings. Behind him, where the bamboo forest should have been, was just the path leading into nothingness. The gray sky behind it was empty. To his left and right were fields of wheat, waving softly to him as he stared. They didn't follow any exact pattern, for there was no wind to move them. Their erratic behavior was unsettling to him, for this is not the way the world he knew worked. Ahead of him, however, was the most peculiar thing. It was a large, black, cube-shaped object. It towered over him and it was still a distance away. He figured it was at least 20 miles away. Man, I'll never get there. But why exactly am I going there? Is that where she is? Maybe I should have taken the other path. A soft blue light was glowing behind it, pulsing in rhythm. He listened to his heart again, and each thump made the light glow bright, and each gap made the light dim. Where exactly am I? He had been gone so long, he couldn't even remember the original place where he started. I was in an empty house, or a cabin, or a hut. It's all so fuzzy to me. Think, think. What were you doing beforehand? What was the reason? His temples ached as he struggled to come up with something, anything. All he could think of now was the blue light and his heart. Without even thinking, he felt his feet start moving again, and he made his way towards the cube. Whatever I need has got to be in there. There's nothing else for me here. Time dragged on as he walked towards the light. The never-ending wheat fields that enveloped the path grew taller, and they started moving more uniformly. As he made his way, he looked down and noticed something else funny. He didn't have a shadow. 
looking up towards the sky, he was unable to find any source of light. But he was still able to see everything. This is weird. This is wrong. Where am I? Everything that he knew to be normal was gone. He couldn't explain why anything was the way it was. The path that he originally took was dirt and looked well walked on, but now it was a strange pattern of squares and rectangles, almost like bricks. But they didn't feel like bricks. He stopped and knelt down to touch them, and they felt warm. How? There's no sun. This isn't right. They almost resembled pixels with how they were colored, and when he made that realization, he started noticing that the environment around him looked more and more like the path's pixelated appearance. Am I in a video game or computer or something? Can anyone help me figure this out? When he said that, he rose back up and was shocked to see that, by some force of nature or wherever he was, that he was at the door to the blue glowing cube. And then a fairy popped up and said, Hey! Do you need help on your adventure? I'm sorry, Garrett. I'm sorry. I When I heard this, the first thing I thought was, this motherfucker done made uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Like, I know this story. I've heard this before. And I was like, this is the best. <laughs> this is the best. So, Garrett, what were you thinking when you came up with this segment? You know, I was really just trying to think that the the way that that Pixie had described it, where he was just you know trying to figure out the best path to to where his his love was, that he had to go on this you know this more or less like a dangerous journey of sorts. But mm-hmm. you know, I I kind of wanted to add a little bit of extra mystery to it as to maybe that's not why he's going just because of the um when when Pixie had mentioned like the the lights hanging from like the the um the forest it was like kind of out of this world a little bit so i just added a little bit more of the the sci-fi to it and then as he got you know further and further along just leaving reality as it was and then you know once he made that realization that he wasn't in his own reality that's where it all just kind of came to a head at the end i love your writing i do i love the um descriptive phrases that you use um in at the point where you were saying that the uh tall wheat the the was moving but it wasn't uniformly because there was no wind i was like oh oh wait 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 okay and then you're like it's moving uniformly in the blue glow of the cube and this was something where i could close my eyes which is what i love most about hearing audiobooks i'm not a big fan of audiobooks i mean that's strange considering the fact that two of my podcasts are fucking literally audiobooks audio <laughs> stories but um when i can close my eyes and picture the world that they're trying to build and then i create my own picture in my head and it becomes the world that i see which is why the harry potter movies will never be the best thing that was ever made it's always going to be in my head where hermione and lavender are black Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, you made a world that I could 
vividly see. And at the point where you said it looked pixelated, I was like, holy shit, I know where this is going. And I just started <laughs> grinning. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is it. This is it. This is the move. I thought I very well done. Very, oh. very well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. Pixie, what'd you yeah. think? I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting that he didn't take, he took the easy path and not the hard path. I mean, every, every time we get a, a hero on his journey, uh, usually when they take the easy path, it doesn't go right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he went the wrong way because he's definitely going towards a blue cube that's pulsating. So yeah, <laughs> wrong, wrong turn guy, wrong turn, go back. I'm, I'm just saying he touched that cube and then something whispered thank you and then we found out it was pandora's box and the world came to an end zombies came out and started dancing with michael jackson the end yes that's it <laughs> yeah that, that was part of the reason i did that is that you know because when i listened i listened to your portion a couple times just to try to get in the right headspace as to what to do and i i did start writing he took the the harder path and i'm like no let's let's switch this up a little bit let's make it fresh and have him take the easy one but What's going to be his uh, the repercussions of taking the easy path as opposed to the one less traveled? Yeah. I took the road less traveled, and it made all the difference. Because let me tell you, I didn't fucking make it. That shit was hard, okay? It was hard goddamn work. I stubbed my toe on like three rocks. How the fuck did a brick get in the middle of a field? It was covered <laughs> by grass. I didn't see it. I stepped in a fucking gopher hole. There was a puddle <laughs> that looked like it was a puddle, and I stepped in it thinking I was going to splash. My whole fucking foot went through it. It was a <laughs> mud hole. I got mud all the way up to my kneecap. Fuck that path. I'm taking the other path. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie? Yes. Now that we've I'm come here. to your part of the story, how do you feel about how the story went overall? I think it's beautiful. I mean, there's no correlation. There's a little <laughs> correlation. You know what I mean? The I I'm there I'm much interested or my favorite part is how we got there. You know what I mean? Yeah. No pun intended with the path, you know, but we'll see. <laughs> but the, the thing is, this show, Storytellers, at its base level, is a combination of the age-old art of storytelling and the game of telephone. Yes. So when you play telephone, the way that the, the mm -hmm. word or phrase starts is never the way it ends. And so... When you listen to enough episodes, you see the nine times out of ten where it starts is never where it ends up. I did one a uh, few episodes back, and I always go back to this one because it's the biggest descriptor of what the fucking happened. I did one about a guy who had a midlife crisis who was an ice cream truck driver. I started the story. The three guests I had were from the Crime Diner podcast. And so by the time it ended, you know, them being crime heads the guy was a serial killer and yep. he was driving <laughs> off to find his victim and it was like okay I, I i didn't see it happening this way <laughs> at all but that's why we do this it's the beauty of it so knowing that the story went this way and knowing that there was maybe a fragment of cohesion between each part is fine because there's still that cohesion and there's still the beauty in the creation. And so with that, in the immortal words of uh, RuPaul, good luck and don't fuck it up. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do Frankie's part 
right about now. The door to the glowing cube raised as tall as his eyes could wander. He began to grow nervous, wishing he had any type of clue to his next mode of action. All he knew was that he had to get inside. The door had a simple knob with a lock head above it. He closed his eyes, taking a deep breath, and he turned the knob. The knob didn't budge. It was locked. Well, this couldn't get any more ridiculous, he said aloud. As he did so, a noise arose behind him. His eyes widened as the pathway to the door began falling. To where? He had no idea. It was as if the ground below was completely hollow. All he knew was if the falling path touched his feet, he was sure to fall in. Panic ensued as he searched for a way out. To his surprise, there was none. The entire ground surrounding the cube was falling, and he was sure to go with it. He closed his eyes, dreaming of his love, hoping he could have said sorry. As he did so, a nudge pushed upon his left arm, motioning for him to check his front pocket. Without any time to think, he complied with the nudge's demands and felt his front pocket. A brass key appeared in his palm. It was a bit rusted, and on it was an intricate painting of two lovers. He thought for a moment the two had winked at him, but quickly shrugged it off as he knew he had to act fast. He slipped the key into the lock's hole and was hurled inside like the wave of a tsunami. The door behind him slammed shut. He rushed to the door hoping to retrieve the mysterious key, but to his demise it had vanished. He fell into the marble floor and began to catch his breath. Just a moment ago he was walking through the bamboo forest, and now he felt exhausted. He wanted to give up, to rest his eyes for a moment, just a moment, the th thump, the thump of his heart had awoken him. He rose to his feet and admired the room's entrance. A tall spiral staircase stood in the middle of the room. Located around the stairs were hundreds, if not thousands, of old paintings. Each painting looked different, but had the same two characters throughout them all. It was the levers he had seen on the key. He went to each one, as many as he could, and he smiled. The paintings gave him an absolute feeling of peace. Each one, the couple was smiling. And the eyes, the eyes were so realistic. It was as, it was as if he had seen them before. He began to cross the room again, but something seemed stuck. Like his boots were stuck to the ground. His heart raced. He felt like he was running at the time, but for what? He looked up and gasped. The staircase didn't seem to have an ending, like it just rose for miles and miles. Regardless, he had a strange feeling that whether it ended or not, his love was at the top. He tried moving his boots again. This time they moved only slightly. He investigated the marble floor and noticed it was partly covered in a goo-like mixture. The mixture covered his boots, which he concluded was the reason he couldn't move. There were spots on the floor that the goo was not. He concluded that this pattern was in his head, was left by a trail of something like a slug or a snake. He knew he needed to get to the stairs, so he did what any nobleman would do. He took off his boots. He maneuvered around the goo-free spots until he was at the bottom of the first stair step. He looked up again and the gray, endless steps, and he took a deep breath. He was afraid he'd never make it. That his exhaustion would overtake him, and he'd fall and keep falling. 
He was lost in his thoughts and noticed something strange. An eerie feeling flooded his nerves. The goo was following him. He turned behind, and the creature, the size of a kraken, smiled at him, baring its sharp, terrifying teeth. Why didn't I see you before? He screamed. He wanted to run, but he was frozen in fear. The creature responded, but not aloud. It was in the man's head. Do I remind you of anyone? The man shook his head. Think real long and hard about this one before I crush your brain with a single bite. The man couldn't think. He closed his eyes trying to remember his past, where he'd been, but nothing came up. When he opened his eyes, he was face to face with the creature. The creature's scaly skin started to deform and fall off. It grew smaller, and its body was reconstructing. But into what? The man tried to run again, hoping to never find out about this evil thing. To his surprise, he started to run, taking each step with genuine speed. The fog in the air began to grow thicker as the man got a feeling the end was near. As he reached the top, confused by the thick fog, he didn't hear the creature running behind him anymore. His heart thumped, thumped. He knew his love was near. He thought he was in the clear as he swung his arms around to see through the fog. As he did so, his fist hit something hard and the fog dissipated. He screamed aloud as what he had swung at came into a clear picture. It was him. Only, it was not him. How could this be? The creature grinned, revealing the same terrifying teeth as before. It spoke. Yes, you see it now. I'm you. If all the choices you had made had been reversed. What, you think fate brought you here? There's no such thing. The only thing that's certain in life is death. And I can promise you are not getting out of here alive and you'll never see your true love. As he said that last line, he motioned toward a room. A wooden door glowed bright yellow with a single heart carved into the middle. The man's the thump of his heart thumped as hard as he had ever felt. She's in there. He turned toward the door just as the creature had slashed him into the, sh in the shoulder. The man screamed in pain. How could he fight? Was he supposed to kill this evil counterpart? The man wished he had any sort of sign. The creature leapt forward again towards him. The man jumped backwards and felt the nudge in his arm again, in motion towards his left hip. This time the man trusted it. He took his right hand and reached across to his hip. Before he knew it, he unsheathed a long silver sword. Did he even know how to use a sword? The creature pulled out the same sword and they began to fight. A series of swishes and swooshes confirmed the man could indeed fight, but the creature predicted his every move. After all, they were the same. The battle was beginning to exhaust the man. He was avoiding the creature's goo steps as well as keeping up with its next attack. One thing the man noticed was the creature seemed to flinch a bit when their moves occurred toward the glowing wooden door. The man had an idea. He motioned the attacks just right and had the creature back to back within the door. The creature, seeming a bit fearful, called aloud, You think this door will save you? As the creature said so, it began to transform back into the large, hideous kraken, taking its final form. It laughed. <laughs> Say your goodbyes. Now I'll ask you again. Did you really think a glowing door would save you? The man responded. I don't think the door will save me, but I know she will. The glowing door swung open, revealing a beautiful woman. Her hair was as long as the wheat grass outside. She was wearing a long black dress with blue circles arranging it. 
she struck a blade into the creature's backside, hearing him scream in pain. The man ran forward and lunged his sword into the creature's heart. The two lovers looked into each other's eyes. The man had seen those eyes before. "'Yours are the eyes from the paintings,' he claimed. She responded, "'Yes, and the only eyes you'll ever have to see again.' The two lovers embraced. The man's heart thumped as they shared a much-awaited kiss. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. You know what? You know what, Frankie? I know you got things to say, and I know. I know. Hold on one second. Liza, go. Um, wow. I... It's funny because in my head, I'm seeing this as a movie, and it starts out black and white and sepia color because it's like it has this whole like old feeling to it but as it's as it continues it starts gaining color and becomes more sci-fi more battle more video game and it's just like that's that's i could never have predicted that it would go that way i actually like how my um my initial ambience of the of of my recording came out with all the little like cracklings in there because it feels like it is an old sort of um story like it, it came from like an older world sort of story and then it it continued to just become like this video game and it ended with a big kiss between the two um, I like it. It's definitely not something I would have predicted happening, but I like it. Frankie, yes. hearing all that applause place upon you, please don't let your next words be, I did this on accident. Frankie, no. <laughs> <laughs> what were you thinking when you I came just... with your segment for the story? Stumbled upon it. Uh, it oh my was god! I was just in the groove. I'm just messing with you. Well, I mean, I only got to hear Garrett's part, and it was he was very much setting the stage for like a fantasy, like because of the glowing red cube, and then there was like the the wheat fields that you had mentioned before. So I knew that it was kind of like fantasy slash video game, and. Since I had to end the story, there had to be some type of like battle. I I don't know why stories have to end in a battle. That was my idea. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, But I did want to reunite them because I felt like hearing Garrett's part, he definitely had a task. And then the the, the thump of the heart made me want to reunite them. And that's kind of where my thought process was. So, Garrett. Yeah. Hearing how the story ended, hearing how your story continued, what are your thoughts? I, I think it was more or less what I was setting her up for was <laughs> to have the story kind of end in a in a very climactic um, battle. I wasn't necessarily expecting a monster, but I love how she turned that um, at least partially into like a reflection of himself. I thought that was a really neat idea that kind of took me by surprise. Um, but I, I do love how how it just used elements from from my part and then you know she still utilized the the thumbs that i use from from pixie i thought that was a very important part of the story because there's so much emphasis on on pixie's portion of it and i I think it just like came together in a nice little bow (laughs) pixie thoughts i I thought 
my part was nice and easygoing, and I, I like that it came to a, a finale. It feels complete. I'm. I like. I like what Frankie did at the end. I. I was really excited, you know, to hear how how we were going to go from a hut to a, a a cube out in the middle. With it, it's been a quite the journey, hasn't it? <laughs> you know what? I in my mind. Again, when I close my eyes and I actually listen to an audio book, which I never do, but if you want to listen to the Ratchet Book Club, I'm not going to stop you. Those last two parts literally felt like final boss shit. Like if you play video games before, if yeah. you if you've ever played video games before, the the walking into an area where the the grass is moving but there's no wind and and you see this cube and you know that's the part where a motherfucker like me is like oh there's two health packs over there yeah and there's an ammo reload over here and a save point and a save point that i can't back out of shit's about to go down now children there used to be a game called ninja gaiden that will fuck with you it, it was on the it was on the uh, playstation 3 and on the xbox 360 and it's glorious what they would do is they would give you all these health packs and all these power-ups and stuff and then they send you to a room where there are like 17 enemies that will take out all your life and leave you with like one health bar and then the save point would hit and then Gosh. you'd have to deal with the boss good times what was the name of that Ninja Gaiden. It's also, okay. uh, I think there's one called, there's a, on the PlayStation 3, it's called Ninja Gaiden Sigma. It might be available on the PlayStation Store right now, but it's one of my favorite games. And it was, oh my God, it was wonderful. And it was so it hard. It started on the Nintendo system. It did. Yeah. It yeah. did. I used to spend the night at my friend's house. Sorry, no Jordan, seat. if you're listening to this. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Jordan, I apologize. I really do love you. But I would stay the night at his house, and he'd go to sleep, and I'd stay up all night playing Ninja Gaiden. Like, I I wasn't using my friend for video games. It just seemed that way, and he probably knew it. But in my defense, he told me the stupid lie when we were kids that he had an uncle that worked in Nintendo. Nobody has a fucking uncle to work in Nintendo. You brought this upon yourself. You lied to me. I took advantage of you. That's how friendship works. So, now that I've gotten that all off my chest. <laughs> Eliza, overall, on a scale of excellent to even better than that, what are your thoughts on the story? I loved it. I could not, like I said, I could not have predicted where it would go. Um, I like that it went from, like I said, like it went from this sort of old timey wimey story to video game. It was perfect. Um, I, I think it was better than I could have imagined it. Um, I guess I like that they got together in the end because, you know, they were like fighting and whatever. Um, another part of me would like to see the the monster become the woman and be like, didn't I tell you to leave me? Uh, so <laughs> that's just me. But I loved it. I definitely loved the whole um, maybe I'm just in this whole mind space of like, you know, um, turning stories on their heads. Uh, about like you know turning expectations differently but I really really liked how this went from like I said old timey-wimey to woo video games and even in the old timey-wimey part in the beginning I had mentioned like floating castles and 
flying cars. So there was this whole like, yeah, this isn't stuck in the past. This is a future thing. So I liked it. I really did. Pixie, what were your thoughts? I liked it. I th- I thought it was a great journey, and uh, I wish I, I wish we could like have more to the story sometimes. And I I I just really enjoyed how everybody was able to put stuff together, like how Garrett turned it from uh you know from from an easygoing path into something that was that was leading Frankie into setting up like the finale. I think it was great. Garrett, what were your thoughts? I I think it um overall just just came together really well. I I think um Glyz ex- explained it perfectly like going from like almost like a Wizard of Oz type thing where it's like old-timey and black and white and as they progressed things kind of started changing and uh yeah, I think it all just just everything worked together really well given how we were, you know, presented each part of the story. And Frankie? Well, I'll add on top of what everyone has said that it was really um, climactic in that way that the way from the beginning where it was kind of like softer and then it, that there was more action. But I want to kind of take a point on what Glazia said of Glazia. You're going to get it. It's Glazia. <laughs> I will get it one day, you know? Mm-hmm. Like Glazia Minnelli, but with a G in front. Oh, see, that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> Glazia. Love it. Um, how you said that, you know, that you had mentioned the futuristic things in your first part of the story. So maybe the whole story did kind of relate together because the whole path, he was probably just kind of like making his way from his world to her world, you know? So that was pretty interesting. I could see somebody making this into a game. Um there's a game, I'm trying to think of what it was called. I, I want to say it's called Sword and Sorcery. And it's like this stick figure type guy who has a sword and he's going after his love. Um, I can see it fitting into that area of gaming. Um, there's also a game that I I loved when it first came out called Braid. Um, where the character is trying to get to the princess who gets snatched at the beginning of the uh, game. It gets the princess gets snatched away by this huge hulking knight. Um, so he has to go through all these worlds to try and find his princess. But then at the end of the game, they go back to that initial story and they play it in reverse because this is a time uh, affecting game. And as you go back in reverse you see that you were actually seeing the story in reverse. So now you're seeing it as it actually happened and you're the villain pursuing a woman who doesn't want to be pursued by you. And a knight in shining armor takes her out of your clutches right as you're about to capture her. And I thought that that was just, when I first saw that, my mouth dropped. There are certain things that when you see it, it's like you can't unsee it and it kind of ruins the story for you in the future because you always know how it's going to turn out and yet you still have this love and great affection for the path that led to that ending and most of those things for me are encapsulated in video games this is now up there with that this is one of the closest things i've heard on storytellers uh to a a video game 
a, a video game storyline. Like if somebody uh, had the the wherewithal and the talent to draw this out into a story, into a game, I would I would be thrilled. I mean, I'd make sure y'all got paid and I get paid too. But I I'd be thrilled because this was an absolutely lovely adventure. Um, so well done to each and every one of y'all. You did that shit. Um, before we end out, um, Gliza, go ahead and tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your shows, your, your streaming, uh, ventures. The, the floor is yours. Hi, hi. I am Gliza. As, uh, as was mentioned earlier, I am a person with many hats. I am a podcast host. I am a writer. I'm a tabletop role play performer. I'm a Twitch affiliate, uh, streamer, um, like I mentioned earlier, uh, podcast hosts. I have two podcasts. One is called Classical Adventures for One, which is a podcast that delves into classical books and uh, the impact that it has in all of media. Season one has been published and completed, which I talk about Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Um, season two, I'm still working on it. It is uh, about uh, Hercule Poirot, and I'm definitely going to publish season two. I'm just finishing it up uh valentine's day is when i'm gonna release chewing gum for the brain it's basically a podcast where three people watch reality tv one is a therapist one is a linguistic and communicator and me the trash panda that just likes to watch uh reality tv and we will be talking about it from all of these perspectives um i'm also a writer like i mentioned I am writing an audio drama right now called Nightmare Hunt, where I am uh, basically writing a story about monsters that come to life and ruin everybody's day. I also write for uh, the Geekly Grind. I am a manga reviewer, so you can check all of my uh, reviews every Wednesday morning and Sunday morning. Um, I'm mostly right now on the internet as a tabletop role player. In fact, I have a show, uh, you know, Almost every day of the week, I have on Monday, I have Somehow Human at 6.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Wednesday, I have Gods of Color. Um, uh, Friday, I have Thala Unbound. Saturday, I have Lords of Faerun. Sunday, I have Blood on the Bayou. And then Tuesday and Thursdays are when I'm on my channel, either playing games or um, producing TTRPGs myself. Um, and like I said, I am a Twitch affiliate streamer. I play a lot of different games. I have... Uh, on Tuesdays, I usually do book clubs where I read a book uh, with uh, with my uh, community. Uh, this this month, I'm doing Discworld books, basically reading uh, a lot of Terry Pratchett books. And then on Thursdays, I play video games that have romance in it. If it's a horror story, that's fine. As long as you have a way to romance somebody in this story, I will play it. So that's me, and I am very tired. So what you're telling me is that you have already begun and completed Mass Effect because in Mass Effect, you can fuck an alien. And if that's not romance, I don't know what is. I am playing Mass Effect 1 uh, every Thursdays. She also didn't tell you about the best part about Glaza. Her tagline is romance me, you cowards. Yes, so my Twitch my you Twitch cowards. brand is romance me, you cowards. Basically, that is the tagline of every show yes, I do on my shirts, hoodies, mugs. I mean, Glaza is everywhere. Everywhere. 
<laughs> Speaking of being everywhere, Pixie, go ahead and tell us something about yourself. Tell us something about your shows. The floor is yours. I am a retired stripper. I have 23 years in the adult entertainment industry, and I have become a podcaster. So I'm still a baby podcaster. Me and Glaza, we hooked up uh, a couple, well, more than a year ago on Twitter and just became good, fast friends. And I have been... I've been jumping into a lot of interesting things, things that I didn't know that I could possibly do. Um, I've not, never really wrote any stories, never, I'm kinda, I don't know. I, I'm interesting, just not, I, I'm not as, I feel like I don't do as much as Glaza, gosh. When she lays it out on the line, she's like, I'm everywhere. Like, uh, I thought I was everywhere, but there you go, Glaza. <laughs> So, for the uninitiated, Pixie, yes, this Pixie, <laughs> is the fairy godmother of pod, podcasting at this juncture. Um, she held, she hosts a weekly space on a Twitter every Wednesday, uh, in which she tells fledgling and uh, veteran podcasters alike uh, different ways to uh, improve their podcast. She's also one of the most uplifting people I've ever met. I'm sure you, um, I'm, I'm almost certain that you got a ton of tips, not just because of your dancing, but because as you were dancing in front of somebody, you're like, you can be the best person in the world. All you got to do is you got to believe in yourself a little bit more. Do you want to believe in yourself a little bit more? Would you like to hear more about how you can really get that management position that you're looking for? I, <laughs> I think it takes a goblin in your corner to really figure out what life is all about. Um, yeah, so I, I do. I my my main podcast is is called next on stage one it's about me and my co-host where we talk about strippers and the stuff the shenanigans that i've done and so then i so as i progressed as a podcaster i started finding out that other podcasters were kind of lonely that i was lonely myself and so when twitter came available with twitter spaces i started hosting these these weird random rooms of podcasters and then it just came to fruition that that podcasters needed a space to be able to ask the questions like well should I put foam in my in my studio should I how should I market and 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 every Wednesday we all get together for project podcast with Pixie Derek he's usually my one of my co-hosts so he usually mic drops all of the fucking time and gives <laughs> gives people that real heart to heart like if i fuck with you it's cuz i fuck with you and <laughs> and that's it's one of those reasons why when you ask me to be here for your podcast because you show up for me all the fucking time and i'm like why why i i wanted to be here for you to show up for you and be part of this because i appreciate you as a friend and you're pretty fucking awesome so thank likewise you. likewise and you know um you have taken the idea of helping the person behind you move forward to a level that i find to be absolutely um incredible a lot of people talk about helping people move up and, and move forward but they don't mean it 
you don't even talk about it. You just do it. And I, I admire that. I respect that a lot. I respect people who help people when they have the opportunity to do so. I feel like the the community has done so much for me and that, you know, I, I got to give back. I got to I got to give something. But I don't like talking about myself and telling people like, oh, I did that. It's like, mm-hmm. no. All right. You're doing awesome. Let me let me share in your wins because I want to make sure that you continue to to do awesome. I want to continue to show up for Glaza because she's also been there for me. And so every time that I jump in and I help somebody, it's it's kind of so I don't have it's I'm kind of selfish. It's so I don't have to be lonely. You know, <laughs> I understand. I, I feel that wholeheartedly like like you have no idea. Frankie and Garrett flip a coin. <laughs> Who's going to talk about the show? Garrett's so much better at talking. You go, baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, Frankie and I, we are uh, the co-hosts on the ever-trending story. where we The ever-trending story! Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so we, we kind of do more or less the same type of thing as this, where we'll, we'll peruse, like, uh, trending articles on Twitter, Facebook, Google, whatever we can find. And we'll pull like like keywords out of news stories, like names or or like the specific thing that's happening. And what we'll do is we will write a fictional story utilizing those those keywords and kind of just sprinkle them throughout. Um, we started a year ago and it's been going great. We just tried something new with this season where we're going to actually write specific genres depending on on the story um when we start a new one so like when we record our next episode we're going to be doing a a new genre for the story and it's going to be great <laughs> so so have you ever considered considered doing a buy me a coffee tier or a patreon tier where if somebody pays a certain amount of money they can choose the next genre uh that's a good have- idea yeah, that is a good idea. We really haven't dabbled too much with the the extracurriculars of it just because we're we're still such a, a baby in the in the podcast world. Um, Family, you've been here for a year. You were not a baby. <laughs> oh, I I think the the listeners have other things to say, but we'll <laughs> yeah. touch on that some other time. Uh, we also had so much happen to us last year as well. Yeah. There was like so much in our lives, like surgeries and and I didn't have internet for two weeks, and it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah, so I mean, as as the show goes on and we'll get bigger and bigger, hopefully, then then we can look at things like that. But I do really like that idea. Yeah, I mean Thank that you. would that would be immediate engagement because then you know that your listeners um, will be supporting the show, which they want to do, and. I sound like Pixie. This is how Pixie sounds on Wednesdays. <laughs> and uh, you would also, they would then share the show with their friends and family because they're the ones who chose the genre. So they feel like they have a connection mm-hmm. with that episode, like a deeper connection. That would be dope. I, I would I would give y'all a, a genre that you would never forget. <laughs> Thank you. A genre all in your face. Um, Serial killing ice cream killer. Pretty much. Man, I did not expect them to make Sweet Tooth from fucking Twisted Metal. I did not expect that at all. Like, they made Dexter. It was wild. It was great. Um, So, for the listeners, 
again, this is storytellers. Uh, the story that the, the show that proves and anybody can tell a story. Um, you can check me out on Twitter in a litany of different ways. The easiest way to find me is on uh, my Ratchet Book Club uh, feed, which the Twitter feed is Ratchet Book Club. Um, I do have a storytellers feed, though. It is Storytailspin. That is just like the Disney cartoon, except instead of uh, I-L, it is A-L-E. So Storytailspin. OEO. Um, you can email me at wretched and ratchet at gmail.com or at storytellerspod at gmail.com. Um, you can leave a review on uh, Spotify. It's literally right above the story. You just, the show, you just tap on it and give me five stars. It takes like 13 seconds. If you want to be a bit more in depth, you can leave a review on Podchaser. Then you can copy and paste that in the Apple Podcasts. And then you can copy and paste that in the good pods. Those three things, when it's all said and done, will probably take about eight minutes. Give or take if you use voice to text when you say your actual review. I'm just giving you suggestions so you can give me the review I deserve. Uh, the voicemail number is 916-633-1537. And you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app, there is a tip jar. All money for this show or all money given in donations will go towards buying books for Ratchet Book Club, uh, buying movies for hi uh, hindsight, movie reviews, and buying TV shows for the uh, RTO Podcast Network. Um, I think that about sums it up. Thank you all so much for joining me. I do greatly appreciate it. Um, and Gliza, Pixie, Frankie, and Garrett, thank you all so much for joining me. I have an idea um, for a, another story that's going to involve the four of y'all. Um, mm, nice. And it's going to be fantastic. I'll tell you all about it in a few moments. Great. But to you listeners, thank you all so much for listening. Y'all have a wonderful day. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Bye. Bye. Bye.
The theme music for Storytellers was provided by Revolution Void, and it's called Someone Else's Memories. You can find it at the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, and you said.